Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Cindy Grady. She's a regional business developer for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Minnesota. How are you, Cindy? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. We're talking all about hardscaping today, so you're going to have to school me on this. Uh, yeah. uh, when we're, we're building something around the house, we certainly want to take our trees into consideration. The first thing I think of when I think of hardscaping this time of the year is people doing construction for decks or pools or that sort of thing. And that leads me to big trucks driving around my property. And that worries me around my trees. Should I be worried? (laughs) You absolutely should be worried. Uh, Yes. Planning and having your contractor uh, help you create or create a preservation plan for those trees during the installation process uh, is going to significantly impact the quality of tree after years after that that install is done. So you might, for instance, be putting in a pool, and the reason you chose that spot is because the oak tree right there is going to provide this glorious shade at the certain time of the day that you really enjoy that pool or what have you. But if they're stacking soil around the base of that tree out through the drip line, which is the extent of the canopy itself, uh, they could cause significant harm to that tree later in, um, in its life. So it, you might not see the damage right now, but it could show up in the next you know, several years. Uh, and that will definitely impact how you value that pool. If that, that oak tree that you love is now declining for for one reason or another or um you know showing signs of stress and disease and all that stuff that comes with a stress tree you've already made me think of something in a new way a preservation plan that that is just such a great idea you know when i think about construction happening in different people's landscapes you know we, we care so much about our trees that preservation plan is is a great idea. Uh, I mean, that would go into where they're storing materials to on the property right. and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. How they can route their equipment to get the uh, the material to and from the space. Yeah, where they dig, where they can't dig. Uh, yeah, there's. I mean, it's a it's it's an important piece to a successful installation. Yeah, and I guess part of this, too, is figuring out what trees are where and what you want to put in. You know, if you're going to have a a deck constructed and you have a mulberry tree there or something like that or something else that would, (laughs) would, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, sweet gum, (laughs) something something that's going to drop (laughs) things on your deck, you want to think about that, too, right? Indeed, you do. Yep. And, you know, maybe if you like the mulberry growing over the deck, then that's the tree to put in there for you. But if you don't want that berry, you don't want to collect it and clean it, 
that's that's definitely not the tree. And you certainly don't want to walk barefoot around uh, a sweet gum ball, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> right. Now, let's talk about that tree because I do have uh, people that I talk to that really love sweet gums. But explain what we're talking about. What happens to a sweet gum that why people don't like that sweet gum tree? Well, uh, typically the fruit is, um, well, not typically, the fruit is is pokey, right? It's, um, it's about the size of a, a very, very small apple, and it's got spikes all the way around that, um, that fruit. So as it hits the ground, uh, it, the spikes are there ready for you to step on. Um, probably worse than or equal to stepping on a Lego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Say. Yeah, I would put it in the same. I've stepped on both. I think this. I think the sweet gum might be a little bit more painful, but maybe we'll do a test someday. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna let you do that one. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I don't know much about sweet gums. Is it a is it a good tree? Does, I mean, I, whenever I talk to people in the tree industry, they they always bring up black gum because of its beautiful fall color. Does a sweet gum work in there as a cool tree? I, like I said, I've, I had a couple of people I've interviewed that, that love the tree, but you don't want it anywhere near your sidewalk or your deck. Yeah, uh, I am a fan of sweet gum, but I would not put it in my yard. Uh, it, it would be you know, somewhere where there isn't going to be any activity of any kind um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but I love it. It's a, I, I think it's a great tree. So back to hardscape, uh, when, we're, when we're thinking about our trees and changing our, the hardscape of our, our property, what else should we be thinking about? Okay, we've thought about compaction and a preservation plan. What else comes to mind for you? One of the bigger items that comes to mind for me is where are those roots going to grow? Are you putting in a, a really pretty tree right next to a patio and now that root the roots have to grow underneath that patio and you've just spent 60 grand on, um, you know, a, a patio that's going to be lifted in a few years because of the root system, or, you know, it's going to grow against a retaining wall and push the wall out. Um, or, you know, some of the retaining walls, uh, where the tree will take up so much of the moisture that now it's also drying out that concrete. And now that becomes a more brittle material. Uh, those are things that you want to try and stay away from as well. So a good rule of thumb is if you, let's say you have a tree that you know has a spread of about 15 feet, uh, try and keep that distance from your hardscape about that 15 feet as much as, you know, as far as, or as much as you can in that space um, to, to give it enough room to grow. You think of the root systems grow out well past the drip line, which once again is, you know, the extension of the canopy. So however long the canopy is, is where your roots are going to go. And then it'll extend past that. So you'd like to make sure that those, the, the tiny roots um, that are on the outskirts will do far less damage than a tree sitting right next to the retaining wall or right underneath a patio. You know, I've, I've been on decks where they've been constructed in such a way that they've been constructed around a tree. Yes. Is that okay? Or is that something you should really think carefully about? I, I always wonder, you know, as that tree gets bigger, what are you going to have to, are you going to, 
Are you going to cut more of the deck out, or do you leave enough room? How, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's that's going to be based on your tolerance levels, right? If you're willing to do that work to have your deck wrapped around that tree, um, you know, much like a treehouse, right? If you're willing to put in whatever effort it is that's going to be required at some point, then then I think go for it. As long as you're not allowing that tree to grow into the deck and, you know, choking that tree out by the, the growth of uh, the growth of the tree isn't, you know, impacting the quality of the deck and the deck is then not choking out that tree. So if you're willing to do the work that you're going to have to do when that tree ages and gets bigger and bigger, then go for it. I I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it either. But I, I guess I guess part of it is you know if you love your tree and it's a you know like a big oak tree I guess that's one way to to honor it <laughs> enjoy it uh, be yeah. part of part of your landscape but as you said it's just a matter of time in my my opinion anyway I don't know how fast a big tree like that grows I don't yeah. know but. It's still going to grow. They always keep growing and somebody's going to have to maintain that. Someone's going to have to yes. make sure that that's not going to, you know, girdle the tree. Right. Well, and and two, I think, you know, if you you would be looking at spending considerable amount more money if you had to maintain that tree. So when we go to prune the trees, now we have to worry about causing damage. So the labor amount, the amount of labor intensifies, which then will increase the cost uh, by, you know, just sheer numbers. We have to spend more time on the tree, more time on the property. I think it's important to note that if you're doing a project like this and you're really into your trees like we are, it would be a good idea to have a certified arborist come out and give you an opinion of whatever it is you're doing when it's related to trees, where they're going to be, or if you're making a, a, some new hardscape around a tree and have somebody on site to, to tell you like, hey, if you put bricks all the way out there by that maple tree, that's not gonna work. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I think, um, you know, as a, as a landscape designer, uh, as well as, as an arborist, one of my key points in making um, any kind of a design or making any recommendations is making sure that the long-term plan or the long-term look of that property is paramount. So if, if you're putting it, well, I don't need to give you an example. You've got it. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but keeping that long-term perspective in mind is, is critical to a successful landscape. And buying once. <laughs> buying, buying once. Right. <laughs> Why don't you elaborate a little bit on that? Buying one only one. <laughs> well, if you've got if you've got a landscape designer who is working with you and can look at the long-term growth rate of that particular plant that let's say you have a signature ginkgo that you want to put in, that is an expensive tree. And if you're putting that in the middle of a deck, they're not keeping that long-term perspective in mind at all, in my opinion. Now, you know, sometimes the homeowners will veto that long-term plan uh, for an immediate gratification. 
but then they're usually buying plants more than once or buying trees more than once. So paying for the removal and then the replacement. It breaks my heart to see, especially new construction, trees put in the wrong place. And, yes. and you, you know, I don't know if they're getting a long-term plan, but I know they're going to have to replace that tree in five or 10 years. And I, I, yes. I've, I've seen it so many times and it drives me nuts to, to such, <laughs> such lengths that every time I'm driving around and looking at this, you know, I'm driving everybody in the car crazy too, because I'm <laughs> same. <laughs> so tell me about how that works for you when you're driving by new construction and they're putting in hardscape and the trees here and it, it or the trees too close to the house. <laughs> Well, interestingly enough, I, I work with largely with the commercial clients, which brings me to HOAs and a lot of those larger developments where um, the builder is coming in and and you know planting as many of these you know low expense plants and then you know doing it very quickly because it's budgeted low and it's prioritized so um, so low on the list that. They just need to get it in the ground, whether it's planted correctly or not, or if it's in the right place, or if it's even the right tree. Um, it is disheartening, and it's uh, it's frustrating to you know go to almost every single one of the developments and say, well, you know, we need to work on the girdling roots that you have here because it was planted incorrectly, um, and or this tree is just going to have to. You're just going to have to eke it along um, until it fails because there's no treatment available for it at this point or invest in removals. And we do, it's, it is rampant. It's throughout and uh, it's unfortunate. And when you're looking at a client's ROI and you're trying to prioritize for them and, and help them budget and make wise investments, it's unfortunate that 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 isn't being considered from the beginning of a project to when the arborist is able to come on site. Um, and in fact, I was working with somebody yesterday who's a project developer and convinced her, well, actually I didn't, it didn't take long to convince her that can you bring us in after the LA does the design and have us assess that design even before it goes in the ground. So we can tell you that the birch does not go five feet from the home, you know, for instance, um, and, and no, no salt on, on LA's or anything, but you know, they run into it a lot. So she was absolutely game and, you know, that helps them budget and plan and, you know, have their finances work. They don't have to put the extra effort in replacements and the financial gain. And then the fight that you have to do to get that. I mean, I know I just ran on and on here, but it I, it's a soapbox. I could easily jump on for a while. I could jump on the same soapbox. And as you were talking <laughs> in my mind, I'm just going through all these different places that I've seen where I've been asked to come to the property and, and especially ones like you're talking about, you know, it's not valued that landscaping that they're putting in the way they're putting it in. And it's obvious to you and I, when, when we arrive on site, like, Oh, why, you know, and right. then, you've got, then you've got the HOA rules 
where you're trying to tell somebody, well, put in this tree. Oh, well, that tree isn't approved or whatever it right. might be. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on. I want to hear about you. Uh, tell me about your current job. What does that mean, what you're doing now? So as a, as a regional business developer, I, I get to, um, boy, I am so fortunate to be at Davey and get to do what I do. Uh, as a developer, I, I work with largely, like I said, commercial clients um, and try to develop business, build relationships and create partnerships where uh, the trust is established and then we're not looking at, hey, you know, um, defend your position or compete with chucking a truck. You know, that's what I'm trying to create here in Minnesota is that we've got we've got a, a market share on a trust, um, a trustful relationship. Uh, so from HOAs to corporate campuses, that's the relationship that I'm trying to build with our clients and, um, and uh, prospects as well. I get to walk the properties. I get to walk um, HOAs and talk shrubs and talk, talk perennials and um, turf diseases, tree issues. And I mean, I, I, I just have a really cool job. Tell me about your path to, uh, to this job. Because you mentioned landscape uh, architect, is that right? Or landscape designer. Landscape yeah. So I, I actually started uh, at True Green Chemlon as a, you know, a tech in the field, um, spraying lawns, just looking for a gig at that point, right? I, I was, I knew I wanted to be outside and I wanted to have some um, sort of task that kept me active. And through that, I fell in love with uh, the landscape itself uh, and then started at the U for a bit. And then I didn't uh, I wasn't quite happy because my passion was plants and trees. Um, so I wasn't quite satisfied with the amount of time that I would get for that. So, um yeah, I transferred and anyway, got into landscape horticulture and landscape design and started in the 90s as a landscape designer in, in doing some installs for landscaping as well. Did that for a few years and then created my own design firm um, and did that until the market crashed uh, and then started in the commercial eval, um, you know, commercial account management kind of role. And I've been there ever since. It's been a fun, fun ride. Well, I told you if I got into panic mode, I would start asking you about your favorite trees, but we're past panic mode already. We're, we're far enough into the show where now I can have some fun and ask you some of your favorite trees that should be planted that aren't planted as often as they should. Now, I know it's got to be right tree, right place. I've been schooled on that from yes. all, the, all the people from Davey, but... Are there any species out there for your area that, that you love that aren't getting planted as much as you wish they would? My favorite trees, and I don't know that I want them planted more just because I need them to be uh, relatively pest and disease free. So I don't want them to get more mass planted, but I do push the ginkgo. That's the one that I have, uh, I have planted in my yard. So that's a beaut. It's my favorite. It has minimal pests and diseases. 
Uh, it, it's got a beautiful yellow fall color and you can't go wrong with that fan-shaped leaf, right? It's just glorious. Really, really cool tree. You know, before we got started, you told me that one of your favorites was a larch. And that's the first time that's ever been brought up. Tell me about that tree. Oh, so it's a it's a soft needled evergreen um, that, uh, you know, it's quite lovely. Nice little, uh, very, very fine, soft leaves or needles. Uh, and um, it it turns nice. I don't, I don't have a thing for yellow, but it's uh, it's another <laughs> yellow fall color. Um, and then it drops its needles entirely. So it looks sort of dead all winter long, but it, it's such this, it's this gorgeous, soft evergreen um, plant, my favorite. Um, and then uh, let's see, next favorite would be a red bud. And are you familiar with red buds at all? Yeah, and I wanted to ask you because I saw one the other day in a garden that was a white red bud that I, okay, I, sure. I never saw white before. Um, and it's funny you bring up red buds because I was just talking to somebody for, for us over here in Pittsburgh. R- red buds weren't always a big thing, but they've become more and more prevalent over the years. I just I just love them, but I'd never seen one with white flowers before. That one, I was fortunate enough to have a, a, a home, uh, my first home with a pool, and we had a red bud nearby. So I was able to kind of you know, watch the red bud. The kids were swimming and, you know, you're watching the landscaping. You know how it goes. And when it's a really wind-free day and it's, you know, sort of warm, all of the heart-shaped leaves kind of stand in line mm-hmm. and they move together to transpire, right? To, to do the thing that they do. And it's a very cool thing to watch. So, um, you know, there's always, I don't, I don't, it's, that's a very cool thing. Also a yellow flower or yellow fall color. So I guess I do have something for yellow. Well, you're obviously very much a tree person because instead of watching the kids in the pool. Oh God. Yeah. Right. I do that all the time. We're watching your red bud turn around. Well, Cindy, this was so much fun. Thank you for your time and information. This was a blast. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Doug. It was fun. I appreciate your time. Boy, that really was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Next week, it's all about getting your trees ready for summer. And that means the possibility of storms. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. Where else are you going to have this kind of fun, right? As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>